All right, what a difference a week makes. Last week, we uh, in our last episode, Duke had come off a three-game losing streak after we were excited uh, that we thought that Duke might have turned it around, and, you know, they lost three big games, a terrible game against Miami. We were down the dumps. Their season's over. There's no shot of making the tournament. Um, we find ourselves in a place where there's still probably very little chance they make the tournament, but three more games, three Ws, all culminating in a huge win against Virginia, number seven Virginia. What a turn of events, people, after being relegated to a 4.30 p.m. day game week before last. I mean, is anything more embarrassing than having your primetime team broadcast at 4 o'clock on a business day? Depressing beyond, and yet here we are following... An amazing Virginia win. I understand that ESPN and a whole variety of haters are like, Duke pulled out a win over Virginia. Congrats, they survived. I am calling it an outstanding win, given where we were to where we are, to me, an excellent and exciting victory. Yep, and that first 430 game you're talking about was against NC State when Duke really took control early. Uh, After the first half, they were up 39-21. to they did squander that lead a little bit in the second half, but were able to you know hold on and uh, win by 16 points. It was never really a close game. Um, you know, Matt Hurt after a little bit of a slow stretch. You know, he's had a great year, but a slow stretch in those three losses have has really turned it on in his last three games with just some incredible stats. Uh, shooting incredible from three-point uh, range, six of seven against NC State, going to the Wake Forest game, uh, three of four, and of course the Virginia game where he just put on another show, uh, five of eight. Just amazing shooting from beyond the arc. It has been quite impressive. And Okay, so we have our NC State win. We win by 16 points. And then what happens, Ad? Is there a, a little event, a little elephant in the room? Does its name potentially rhyme with Schmalen Schmonson? Should we talk about it? Yeah, so if you're a Duke fan or really a college basketball or even just a basketball fan, you've heard the news that um, potential lottery pick Jalen Johnson decided to opt out. It was best for his him and his family. He said in his, for his draft status, uh, you know, he's potentially a top 10 pick. And, um, you know, he's kind of been, I'll, I'll call it a disappointment for most of the season after some incredible, you know, flashes of brilliance. And look, it's not, obviously, I'm not sitting at the Jalen Johnson family dinner. I don't know exactly what's going on, but what... There have been rumblings during this season that he's a bit of a diva, that he and his camp have had a lot to say, a lot of demands, a lot of problems. He was out with the foot injury earlier in the season. There have been a lot of questions about if that was a real injury. I mean, look, people get hurt. It's a physical sport. I am not one to say that no one should, you know, take the time that they need to recover, you know, do your thing. But this was not a, like, we watch Zion fall to the floor, blow through his shoe, and then he's out for a few games. Like, it was a mysterious unnamed foot injury that sort of dragged on and there've just been there's been a lot of talk that he's a bit of a diva and so I was annoyed I don't know if you were annoyed I was pissed like he's like okay bye which to me felt like we're sucking and I'm gonna go focus on the draft if this happened this probably wasn't as much of a secret to the Duke team Uh, you know the players may may have known about it coaching staff may have heard about it and you know what? It might have been holding them back as a team a little bit. It might have been. I mean, he's no doubt super talented and probably going to have a great career in the NBA. But 
that doesn't mean it's you know good for the team chemistry. Oh, absolutely, and especially if there's any sort of like toxic dynamics, if there's drama, if there's any kind of like diva behavior behavior behind the scenes that we're not privy to. Of course, that stuff affects the team dynamic, and especially look any superstar player who comes out of high school knowing that they have their sights set on the NBA, they're focused on the next step. They're thinking about the draft. They're thinking about their performance. For most Duke one-and-dones, they are there because they want to play at Cameron for Coach K. That is, even if it's a stepping stone, that's a dream. Like to Zion, to Trey, to RJ, I think that was a dream, and I think that that means something to them. With that said, I mean... There were no fans. It's not really like playing for Duke with the, with, with the whole Cameron crazy atmosphere. Oh, boo-hoo. You know what? I, know. I don't have... No, no. It's a pandemic. Stuff's hard for everyone. If no, that's the Duke I, experience I feel like Jaylen, you get... I feel like Jalen just feels like, you know, he wasn't getting that experience. Duke was losing, and I think he just felt, why risk getting injured in these last six games? And I think it's a little sus. I'm just yeah, no, saying. And, and, and longtime Syracuse head coach... Jim Beheim had some not so nice things to say about Jalen, and you know that was that was responded to uh, by Jay Billis, um, who didn't think Beheim's response made so much sense, and he said that you know we don't really know the situation, and Jalen obviously made the, the decision he made, and um, you know Beheim really should just stay out of it and worry about his own program. Yeah, I mean he should worry about his own program, who we have to play in our next game on Monday night at seven o'clock on ESPN. However. I mean, look, I think he was quick to say Duke was worse off with Jalen. They're better off now. Like, we don't know that. None of us know that. Look, we have, it's been a lovely week. It was it sort of left us all with a, just a sour taste in our mouths, you know, with Jalen saying he's done. Because it feels like the message is, you know, at least as a fan, this team's not very good. This isn't happening. I'm just, I'm moving on, which I mean... If you're off the team, if you're a scholarship player, then I guess you're just done with your year at Duke. You're done with your teammates. You're done with your friends. You're done with all of it, which doesn't feel great to anyone. But Bayham needs to worry about his own team. I think Jay Billis was right to correct him and just to challenge him on some of those statements that, you know, Duke is so much better off and they are winning because Jalen's gone and all of that. I mean, look, coming in and saying I'm the second coming of R.J. Barrett, which I kind of feel like is Jalen's vibe, being like, by the way, I'm R.J. the second. I'm back. I mean, it's a pandemic year. It's a difficult year. It's a strange year. But still, if what you want is to play for Coach K and to be a Blue Devil, if that means something to you, I think you stick out the season. Yep. Um, totally agree. And uh, we'll kind of just see where, where things lie the rest of the year. But after Jalen decided to leave uh, and all the drama was kind of swept under the rug. We didn't know what to expect going into Wake Forest. Like, is the team, is the team rattled? Like, is it weird? You have this teammate who, you know, a lot of starting lineups at various points were built around, you know, where he was the shining star in this lineup in a lot of ways. A lot of plays and things are built around him. How is the team going to react, and how did the team react, Ad? Yeah, they had a big game against Wake Forest. Um, they just controlled the game from start to finish. Ended up with a 24-point blowout, uh, which was nice to see. Matt Hurt continued his dominant shooting. And then you had guys that, you know, had to really start stepping up. And Mark Williams has been doing that for a while now. Played 19 minutes, scored nine points. Um, Can shoot free throws for a big man. Had seven rebounds. Just, you know, was a really strong presence down low, which is what we've missed this year. Uh, Another name, you know, Jamin Brakefield, who, if you've been listening to this podcast. We are excited about, we are Team Jamin in this household. Yeah, we just think that he could really be a solid player. So he played 16 minutes against Wake Forest. And made them count, scored seven points, 
with no turnovers, four assists, and, and, and some rebounds. And that felt like a big comeback. To me, that was the biggest change in lineup with Jalen out, Jamin in. And look, it's not one-to-one, but I feel like he'd sort of faded to the background a bit. These last two games, finally, I'm really seeing him get some minutes and, and prove his worth. Yeah, and at 6'8", he, you know, he's not quite as tall as Jalen, uh, but he's he's kind of substitute as the substitute and uh, going to take his place, I feel like. Other than leading the team in turnovers, which is something we could do without. Yeah, and, and so we'll, we'll see. We'll have to track that. But, uh, you know, this is leading up to the Virginia, the true test, right? Number seven, Virginia, coming off a, a big loss against Florida State. Uh, Duke coming off two wins. Um, you know, it was such a tight ball game from the start. Uh, shooting was just, you know, for both squads, was just incredible. Three-pointer, point, three three-pointer, three-pointer, you're going back and forth. And, uh, you know, Jamin was in for almost all game, played 29 minutes. And uh, really had a nice first half, a little bit of a quiet second half, but mm-hmm. came through with what ultimately ended up being the, the winning points uh, with a nice reverse layup at the end of the game. And in general, I would say that the second half across the board was a little quieter for everyone. Obviously, I mean, that's where you hold on to a win or, you know, it, it matters to kind of come back if you're down by a few points. But the first half overall, to me, I'm curious what you think felt more energetic on, on both sides. I think three-point shooting was more hot. Like, I, it was just a little more energetic across the board. Yeah, and this was the first time this year that we really felt the energy from the players. Mm-hmm. And in the second half, when the Duke team realized with about three or four minutes to go that they needed a stop, they all slapped the floor, which was oh. the first time. And you know what? They got the stop. They got the stop that they needed. What have I been asking for all season, Adam? Floor slapping energy. That is what uh-huh. gives me life as a dookie. That is what you want to see. Ugh, nothing gives me life like a little floor slapping. It was a good thing to see uh, as a Duke fan and just to kind of finally have something go your way this year. Um, hurt. You know, in the last three games, he's 14 of 19 from three, which is just unheard of. Uh, he's just money from wherever he shoots from, no matter who's on him. And, you know, his defense is not his strong suit, but he actually held his own today. Yeah. And, um, you know, we've talked a lot about Jamin, who really came through in the clutch. Uh, but other, some other nice performances. Uh, you know, Jeremy Roach had a nice game today yep. uh, against Virginia. And definitely is worth 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 a call out. Twelve points. Uh, he did have his three turnovers, which is you know how he plays. Still a some bit. butterfingers in there. There's a little butterfingers in his soul, but we're working on it. Yeah, DJ Stewart seemed to be a little all over the place, but no no actual credited turnovers there. Um, but DJ Stewart, I would just chime in and add. Felt it seemed like he was so hyped up that he was like getting in his own way. I felt like he was tripping over his own feet. Yeah, he, and he he was able to get to the rim a little bit in the first half, and he got fouled a couple times, hit all of his free throws, all four free throws, and then missed the remaining three free throws he had. Mm-hmm. The last one, which was could have been detrimental with a one point lead. Oh yeah, that was just luck that that didn't hurt us. On a one and one, he misses his first free throw, and you kind of feel like, oh my gosh, here we go again. Uh, Virginia gets the ball. Uh, their point guard uh, just loses it and, and ends up having to toss up a alley-oop that actually was successful to Huff, their big man. Um, it just was a little too late. So Duke was able to escape Whew. with uh, their their first 
I'll call it monster win, as Jim Beheim uh, called the, the NC State and Wake Forest yeah. games, which were not really monster wins. But no. this was a true... Duke picking off number seven Virginia is actually a monster win. And it doesn't mean that it was the most insane last couple of possessions. There were actually quite a few sloppy things that happened. But holding on to a win like that, Duke has struggled to hold on at the end. How many games have we had this season? Add, we've talked about this so much, where we think we actually have the win, and then we have a meltdown in the last five minutes, and we can't hold on to it. So to just hold on to it, if it is a one-point lead, I will hold on to that one point. We will take that kind of a win. Yep, and you know what? you got to mention some strong play from Goldwire. He had a couple of potentially uh, terrible plays with losing the ball at the end of the game. But overall, uh, four steals and um, just he's solid and he's, he's a veteran leadership on this team. He's consistent. I would argue he is actually among one of the most consistent. And if you know how I feel about Goldwire and the amount of you know what I have talked over the past however many years, You've then grown with, uh, your I've relation. really grown and expanded my horizons and opened my heart. But here's my Goldwire issue. In when he is put in like a very late in the game free throw situation, I feel like he can have like the ice in his veins, senior leader, like just put the ball through the hoop, fine, great. Then there are other moments where it's like, all I need him to do is not fall down. Yeah, a couple or of nice finishes. hold on to the ball. I know. And then sometimes I'm like, okay, it's the end of the game. Just receive the ball and hold it tight. And all of a sudden, he's on the ground. And then I'm sad. He's sad. We're all sad. We're all flustered. It's not great. I feel like I feel stressed a decent amount of the time when the ball is in his hands in, in late game situations. Yeah, and this wouldn't be uh, a couple of crazies podcasts if we don't mention Wendell Moore Jr. Who, Wendell Moore who didn't really, you know, his line's not flashy. Only scored four points, um, but he he contributed in the not so uh, sexy stats. He, he had some rebounds, five rebounds, and seven assists, which was really nice. He also almost got a concussion oh, by please, running. I, I, <laughs> Almost. We don't know. I cannot claim to be his personal physician and or medical examiner, but I feel like his brain got knocked around, which if we just pause on that topic for a second, something that is interesting, I think characteristic of Virginia's type of play. You know, Virginia is very interesting because they play a slower game. And I think they were saying tonight the slowest pace of play in the ACC. And Lee, I don't know what it is, but they are a slower team, um, which always makes me nervous because you're not sure. You know, I think Duke sometimes has the most energy when they're moving the fastest with this group, as long as it's not Stewart and Roach throwing the ball away. But anyway, pace of play is different. And while it was a very physical game, not a lot of fouls. And yet, Wendell Moore managed to have his brain basically knocked out of his head. One of the Virginia guys is bleeding from the face. Like, I feel like we had a lot of people bleeding and or concussed for a game with not very many fouls. Yeah, well, I mean, he did what he needed to do and hurt with the, really took the leadership in this game. And as Coach K said after the game, it was just a phenomenal basketball game. And it was a great team effort. Like when they all slapped the floor together, one of the things that got me so excited was like I felt like they were in it together because one of our biggest challenges, I would argue, is that we've had pieces. It's not that these pieces haven't been there all season, but putting the pieces together cohesively has been a real struggle. And tonight, I feel like we felt the pieces come together. Yeah, not much of a you know gap between their next game, which I think could be a good thing. Syracuse, after escaping uh, what could have been a, a bad loss uh, themselves today against Notre Dame, came back from 20 points down in the second half uh, and, and beat Notre Dame. Uh, so Duke has a, a tough Syracuse team who's ahead by one game in the standings uh, on Monday, uh, primetime ESPN. 
7 p.m. And, uh, you know, that, that team always plays Duke tough. It's a tough game. Yep. So. We find ourselves in an interesting position with the road ahead because, you know, we, for a while, up until, I don't know, three hours ago, it seemed like Duke was completely off the table. There's no tournament chance. And it was more even like what kind of seating even are you going to get in an ACC tournament? What happens now? So we play Syracuse, then Louisville, then Georgia Tech, then, of course, the return of the rivalry matchup against UNC at UNC. And that's it for the season. And it's interesting because Duke lost a couple of conference games. So there was a pit postponement due to some COVID issues on the pit side. And Florida State, who we actually never played this season because that game was postponed very early in January, and they're just not rescheduling them due to all these COVID issues. So Duke has not had it. It feels so short. It feels shocking that we've got four games left. But Duke is now in a position, I mean, this is do or die. We either... To put it bluntly, I think win these next four games and make a very strong showing in the ACC tournament, or this is just not possible for Duke this year, which it's like after 12 months sitting in this apartment, we've reached the podcast level of quarantine. You're telling me after a canceled tournament last year, there's a chance they might not make it this year. Oh, Duke fans, that is a real chance. Right now, I think probably a better chance than the chance that we make it. Yeah, well, you know, so they, they, I kind of like to think that they, they could control their own destiny here. If they win these next four games, go into the ACC tournament with a, actually a decent seed, because um, that's what it would mean likely if they, if they could win out here uh, and, and, you know, have a decent ACC tournament, I think that they have a shot. Um, they could control their own destiny here, I, I think. I mean, not really. That Miami loss really made it difficult for oh. them, but... Um, Listen, they have no other choice. They lose another right. game. I think that it's over for them, and uh, they got to win these next four and basically not lose the first game in the ACC tournament, and I guess it'll be up to uh, the decision makers. Yeah, it is going to be very interesting. But, I mean, getting hot at the right time is an important tournament factor. I mean, among so many other things, your record, your strength of schedule, all these other things. But you can have a team that does incredibly well in November, December, January that just starts to melt down. One of the things I always look at for my own bracket when you're deciding, you know, when I'm not that familiar with the record of, you know, a seven versus a 10 or whatever it might might be, I'm trying to decide who's going to win. Peaking at the right time is one of the things that I have always trusted in my gut for my own bracket. And so I have to apply the same lens to Duke, which is that you can have an amazing first couple months of the season. If you enter March Madness on a 10-game losing streak, that's not great momentum. That doesn't say great things about how you're practicing, the rhythm you're in, your starting lineup. Something is not working. So starting off rough and then overcoming a lot is not a bad position to be in. In terms of that tournament mentality and having to really fight, because that is what it will take. They have not played, because of COVID stuff, because of a weird year, they've had long stretches between games. They've had postponements and... They had Coach K out in quarantining, and then Jalen leaves. It's been very choppy. I'm actually really glad that they're playing Syracuse as soon as they're playing because they have to be able to turn it around after a game like Virginia to face a team like Syracuse to have a shot of surviving a game in March Madness. Yeah, well, we'll be, we'll be eager to see how you know they could compete against uh, Dolajov and uh, Buddy Beheim and you know a tough Syracuse team that, with that uh, triangle zone defense. So is Dolajov forty seven years old? I feel like I've been dreading playing him, and I cannot hear his name one more time. And well, I feel like I felt that I way since I was sixteen. I think he's a senior, so this might be it. Maybe it's a super senior, a sextuple senior. I don't even know. I feel like I've been surviving Dolajov pain. For years, it's enough. Maybe this, maybe we'll put it to bed, and this will be the end of the uh, the Dolajai 
commentator noise. Yeah, well, we'll have to see what happens. But on another news, uh, the NCAA did announce that they are going to allow 25% capacity for the tournament games. Um, you know, COVID numbers are at the lowest they've been since October. Um, it was a steady decline and the increase of vaccine rollout. Um, it's, it's an exciting and, and I should say encouraging time. Uh, a lot of people, I feel like everyone's knowing many, many people who are being vaccinated and Hopefully, we could have a successful tournament this year. Hopefully, Duke's in it. Oh, hopefully, uh, Duke is in it. And can you imagine? I mean, I don't even know what to hope for. I get that, like, you're a Mets fan who just faced a a fanless season this past year for for Major League Baseball. But the thought that Duke overcomes this, that they might make it into the tournament, and then that they'll be in this, like, questionably large bubble in Indiana that has people in it that aren't me— that hurts. It hurts my feelings. My light-up horns are on. My bracket highlighter is ready. Will Duke be there? No one knows. But I agree with you. I think they can control, at least contribute to their own destiny on this one. And the the cards are in their hands. The chips are in their hands to get themselves into that, you know, last four-in type of position. Yeah, well, you know, we'll have to just wait and see. They have a big game against Syracuse and then, of course, Louisville, and we got to take it one step at a time. Exactly. I have to rest up. They have to rest up. The neighbors have probably only just recovered from the amount of screaming at the TV. I mean, this, for me, was the nail-biter of the season so far. I was... I mean, Ad, there was pacing, there was couch slapping. There was Our neighbors have recently been doing a little early morning jazzercise, so some could call this payback, but the amount of yelling and couch slapping in this household this evening was a lot. So we need to uh, go on vocal rest and just take it easy for the next 48 hours, and then Monday night, I hope the neighbors are ready. Yep, and uh, we'll talk to you after that Syracuse game, and hopefully it is as exciting as we had in this household tonight. Oh, we are going for victory laps around the apartment. I have literal light-up horns, I should mention. That's not a figure of speech, so the hope is that the blue lights are still on and that I am running through this apartment when we speak with you next. Yep, so it's an exciting time here to be a Duke fan. At this point, we are trying to make a comeback into the uh, tournament play. But until then, uh, it has been a couple of crazies, and tonight we're a little crazier than we've been earlier this season. So uh, exciting times here, and we'll, we'll see you after the Syracuse game. Go Duke.